All right, you guys have so much trust and faith. <clears throat> hey, I had lunch with James, and he's going to come around. He's going to come around. I'm praying, and I know you are. Hey, um, when you guys raise your hand about things that are burdening you, I think if we probably thought long enough, we could probably all think of something that's, that's burdening us. And a lot of times when it's a person, um, uh, it might be that you have, you have influence in that person's life. And um, I, I'm supposed to speak on Jonah today because uh, Jonah 1 is what all my notes are for. But I think I'm going to speak on Thessalonians instead, and, uh, and which means I got no notes for it. But, this is, but I have this one little verse in the middle that's really intrigued me. And to be honest with you, the reason I'm not speaking on it, that I didn't plan on speaking on it, because I couldn't get my head wrapped around the rest of it. And Penny, my, uh, someone that I work with, she comes by like five times a day and just keeps saying, you doing okay? And I'm like, no. i got to speak tonight. And I've been looking at this for like two weeks, and then, but, and then, but the last two days, it just doesn't make any sense. And so I just abandoned it at 2 o'clock. And about three minutes ago, I came back to it. So we're going we're gonna to hope that the Holy Spirit will do it. Uh, but if you want to hear about Jonah, i got some stuff on that. But um, in Thessalonians, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, starting at verse 12, uh, the little topic at the top says final instructions, I think. Yeah, it's basically like the very end of the letter. It's the very end of Paul's letter. And what's, what's crazy about this part is I don't know if, like, Paul was like running out of paper or like his pen was going to go dry and he needed to get that in there quick or like if someone was like writing it for him, if maybe, maybe they were getting tired and they just said, you know, just give me the gist of it or something. But like he's going through all the first five chapters and all of a sudden it's like machine gun mode. It's just bang, 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 bang. And he hits you with like 30 things in verse 12 to like the end, like 28. I mean, it's a lot of stuff. And just one or two of those things really stood off the page. But, I mean, it is just, just a wealth of great advice, maybe even stronger than great advice. It's like, I mean, it's more than just advice, but it's just super dense. With I mean, every one of these verses could be a, a script, like a message. I mean, it's just crazy dense. But, uh, but one or two of them have kind of stuck out to me tonight. And uh, anybody, anybody going to be upset if we get out a little early tonight or we have some time at the end, maybe to talk or something? Because I don't know how long this is going to go. <laughs> it wasn't for lack of preparation. It was just for lack of I don't know what I'm doing. So here we go. I want to read the whole thing. I want to read the whole thing, and then let's just see what happens, okay? So here we go. Final instructions. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyous or joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, test everything, hold on to the good, avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and will do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all brothers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Do you see how many things were in there? It's like just bang, 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 bang. 
Um, the scriptures actually says it's that the, that the spirit or the, the word of God is like a two-edged sword. And if you put that in a, like the modern words, it would be like it's an armor-piercing bullet or something. It's like it's able to just shoot straight through your defenses. And, then, and then like a, a two-edged sword had special properties where it could like cut through armor and all that. Well, we don't wear metal armor and stuff. So, but it's, this is like there's like 30 bullets in here. I mean, it's just like bang, 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 bang. And when I was reading it. I said one or two really strongly, but probably three or four of them really hit me as something that, man, I need to, I need to work on that. Uh, and I wonder if, if you read through it again, if you might settle in on a few. But let's just start at the top and let's just go down. I might have you guys help me out here a little bit. And when we get to the couple that are really strong on my heart, I want to share a little bit out of that. So first of all, this is talking about our leaders and pastors in this very first part. It says, now we ask you, brothers. Uh, so first of all, girls, you don't have to really listen to any of this stuff because it said brothers, Right? <laughs> No, <laughs> no. So now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Does anybody know what admo- admonish means? Admonish. Anybody want to take it? Say it again. Straighten up, fly right. So it's to, uh, it's to correct somebody. Did you know the leaders of our church, not just pastoral, but like the, the elders of our church, one of their responsibilities is to admonish us. It's whenever they see that we're not doing well is to come along and gently, but kind of forcefully and not like not too sugar-coated, they're supposed to come and correct us. Now, that'll look differently depending on the person's style. Like Pastor Des, I mean, he can be really like on it. I've seen that a couple times, but most of the time he's so gentle, but he makes sure you know <laughs> what you've done. You know, he's really gentle. So your personality has a lot to do with that, but our elders are to admonish us. And, uh, and I, I kind of wonder if maybe... Um, if we don't do that enough, um, have you guys admonished anybody lately? Like corrected? <laughs> Lovingly admonished? Patiently admonished? <laughs> yeah, you have. Well, I want to just, I want to read you a text. This is, um, I was on Twitter last night, and I don't spend too much time on all that stuff because I don't want to waste all my time in fantasy land. But I was on Twitter last night, and I wanted to, I want to read this one to you. There's a girl who's uh, in our youth group, and she posts, uh, she posts something, and it just kind of bugged me. She's a great girl, loves the Lord, passionate about the Lord, super interested in missions. She's going to do great things. Uh, but she posts this, if I can find it. Okay, so first of all, I say, hey, can I challenge one of your tweets? I mean, because... I love you and expect God to do great things with you. That's a great intro. I'm trying to do it gently. And she replies, I'm not quite sure what that means, laugh out loud, but sure. I'm sure she wasn't laughing. She's just trying to keep it light too. And I said, ha, LOL, um, what do you mean when you post this lyric? And so this is what she wrote. Again, this is a fantastic girl. She says, um, are you going to stay the night? Doesn't mean we're bound for life, so are you going to stay the night? Okay, I'm not an idiot. I know that's a, a lyric to a, a song. And so I Google it real quick, and it's some, some artist named Zed or something like that. And so I watch the video, and I kind of make sure I get the context of it. But I'm pretty sure it means what I think it means. In other words, are you going to stay in the night? I know we probably had a fight, but are you going to come over anyway? It's not like if we stay the night, it's not like we're bound for life. I, but are you going to come? And I'm thinking... Why are you writing this? This is not something that 
really represents you well. So I, she says, oh my, laugh out loud, it's just a song, a new song on the radio, and it has a really good beat to it. I just like how it sounds. And so here's where the admonishing starts. <laughs> That's what I thought you would say, and though old and out of touch, I knew it was a song. Let me challenge your thinking a little. Uh, let me challenge your thinking a little bit. I, have, I hope I have the relational equity built up with you to do it. So I'm already trying to lay the course. Because, I mean, have you ever tried to admonish someone that you really don't have influence with? And they just kind of just like, uh-huh, I'm out. Or they just get really mad. So I'm, I'm trying to sugarcoat things a little bit, but at the same time, I'm not missing it. I'm not trying to avoid the confrontation. I want to confront, but at the same time, I've got to be smart. So I said, I hope I have the relational equity to build uh, built up to do it. Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so I said, I told her, be careful what you let into your mind. You were like, this, you were like spiritual dynamite, and the quickest way to wet the fuse is to become more like our culture. This lyric is rebellious, biblically false and sexually compromising in nature, unfitting for a girl of your caliber. Actually, it's unfitting for a true Christian. I would hope a lyric like that would never be connected to your name. I know I'm stepping on your toes. What's the spirit of God within you say? You don't have to answer right away. Bless you, girl. You really are a great and wonderful young lady, godly lady. Talk to you soon. So it took about 30 minutes, but she replied. She said, thanks, Josh. I really do appreciate it. Sometimes I just act on emotion and I have the compulsive part of ADD. That is not an excuse. I appreciate you taking the time to positively reinforce with me and care enough to call me out. I will take extra, or I will take every word into prayer and think about my posts before they are posted. Bless you too. Bless you, Josh. Uh, so then I replied, your response is exactly how I thought you would respond. Gracious, humble, and ever desiring to please God, even though your flesh was probably screaming otherwise at me. <laughs> You are no different from Stephen, and, and I know this is where you start to, you kind of, I'm not, this, none of this is like, I'm not, I'm not making any of this up. I mean every word of this, but I know she so respects Stephen and Elisa Evans, and she's been under our leadership for years and years and years, and I know she respects us. I said, you are no different from Stephen Evans and Elisa Evans, my wife, myself. You're in that stage where I believe you will set yourself apart for the Lord. It means that what you say and do will be calculated and different than most other Christians. Let's be honest, Christians today in our country are in general a pretty weak example of Christ. Not all, but the majority. I don't think you want to be that kind of believer. Bless you, girl. I really, 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 that's teenage girl talk right there. <laughs> Am proud of you, and I know that you're only just beginning Philippians 1.6. Great, great uh, rewarding and difficult things are ahead for you for his glory. She replies back, thank you, Josh. That means a lot. I strive to become a better Christian woman with every breath I take, and you taking time to help me really makes me strive that much more. I look up to you and Elisa and Stephen and Amber. Y'all are great role models, and I'm blessed to have y'all in my life. I'm trying each day to set myself apart for God, and I, and I know that he has great things in store for me. I'm so thankful to have a wonderful blah, 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 talking about me. Knowing that you're here for me really means a lot, so thank you from the depths of my heart. So I said thank you. Those are kind words. We don't deserve half of them, but appreciate it. Something like that. Uh, thanks. She says, thanks so much. Totally take you up on that offer, blah, blah, blah. She just keeps going. We're supposed to admonish. Now, the elders of the church are supposed to admonish us. We need some more admonishing happening. I know it happens a lot, and being an elder is a really, really tough job. And there's one, one thing I've learned over the years is there are elders by age. Now, you still have to be live a respectable life, and in Timothy it talks about the, the things you have to do. You have to have a strong family, all these kind of things. But there's elders by age, and then there's elders by grace, and grace means 
Uh, like, for instance, whenever we have the prayer time, Amber and I have gone up there for years to do that because when it comes to youth, we have the grace to minister to the youth for all these years. And so even though we were like 25 and now 34, it, it, we weren't 80 or 65, but we, were, we, had, we had the elder status and responsibility based on, on the grace that God's given us. So with that in mind, I wanted to take that first scripture a little bit further out and say, yes, there are elders in our church, and we need to make sure their lives are great. <laughs> like, we need to thank them for what they do. It's a hard job. If you have to admonish people, that's hard. That weighs on you. I know that they, these, our elders are fantastic. But I wanted to challenge us and even say this, that, yeah, in the local church, we may not be an elder, but you have influence on people. There are, and you may not, your, your list may not be 150 people, but your list might be three or four that you really have influence on. Like really, like this girl that I was texting to, I don't, I don't have that kind of equity built up with everybody, but with her, I can just cut straight to it and we can have that kind of conversation. But you have influence. You, even though you know, moms and dads and, and sons are kind of like, you still have influence. And so you keep uh, admonishing but a little bit later, it'll talk about, you know, the, the, the patience and the, and the grace and all that stuff. That you, keep doing that. You, you keep admonishing. You, got, you, know, you have a, a similar, you know, just a frustration. But I wanted to tell you that, um, that in, this, in, this, in this verse, I think we need to admonish a little bit more. Because I think, like, this girl that I talked to wasn't the worst thing she could ever do is just post a lyric like that. But it's just like, it's just... It's just the way our, our youth think today. They probably thought the same when I was a youth too. It's just, but it's just the way young people, all you need is somebody to grab you and say, hey, I see greater things in you. If you would clean this up, get rid of this, but not just get rid of that, do this. You know, like flee from evil, but seek after God. Do that. All it takes, but like for you, you might think, oh boy, I hope I'm not stepping on their toes. But in reality, I remember being 16. I remember being 22. I remember being 12. And I remember people that I really respected coming up to me and telling me, hey, I saw you in worship the other day, or I saw you at the mall the other day. You need us. And I really, I received that well because it was, it was done well. But I want to encourage you guys, you have influence over people. Use it. That's part of the reason God's got you where you ha- he has you. So going on to the next scripture, it says, hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everybody. Okay, that's the little scripture that jumped out at me this week. And I want to explain it to you. He talks about elders just in general of the church. Elders, respect them, honor them, make their lives better, you know, be living at peace. And then it says... And we urge you, brothers, talking about everybody else, and we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everybody. I had this thought. I think that when the needs get great, as a culture, we have this tendency to say, we need to get more elders to take care of the needs. We need more elders. That's, I mean, I think that's what some people think. Yeah, you're right. But what, ha- what needs to happen here is, the scripture says, but as for the rest of you guys, and we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everybody. If our church, like when I mean the church, like everybody would do those things, there, the needs would all be met. And we wouldn't have to go searching for three or four more super elders to take care of the stuff. Because the truth is, 
um, our elders don't have the relational equity built up with the same people that you do, and you can walk in and with a word fix a problem and admonish something where they can't do that because they don't even know the people or they don't have the trust of that person. Does that make sense? So we, I, I think too many times we think, oh, we got to hire some more people to do the work. And I think the work should get done. It just should get done by all of us. Does that make sense? So with that in mind, I wanted to break these down. So it says, uh, and we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. Idle, meaning um, you're not involved. You're not pulling your weight. If you see somebody that's not pulling their weight, tell them. We need it. There's no reason we should have, like, a shortage of nursery workers. Because we have people in our church that can, that have a gift and a grace to work with kids. There's no reason that we should have a shortage of parking lot attendants and greeters and ushers because people in our church have the gift of hospitality. I mean, it's like, and all the needs can be met within in-house, but not if we have to hire somebody to do it, but if we just meet it, it's like that's the, the challenge of Thessalonians, the challenge to the Thessalonians, Thessalonians, whatever they are. They, they were being challenged that, hey, if you see somebody that's idle, tell them. Say, hey, and you got to do it patiently, it says that, and lovingly, but hey, get in the game. Get in the game. Let the announcement guy sit down for a week and not have to tell everybody to get connected because there's nothing to connect to. It's like everything's done. We're connected. So get in the game. So our job as believers is, you see somebody idle, not involved, let's tell them. Let's rope them in. Let's get them involved. Let's, uh, let's let them pull their weight. And that's not just so that it makes the rest of our jobs easier. What it is is because that brings life. That's life giving for that person. And they'll stick around because they have meaning. They have purpose. Does that make sense? So the first thing we've got to do is if we see someone idle, help them get involved. All right? The next one says, uh, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid. Okay? If you see someone that's not comfortable, someone that's not comfortable in a large crowd or someone that's not comfortable um, why else would they not be comfortable? I'm thinking large crowds. I'm thinking um, that maybe that's the only one I can think of. <laughs> you see someone that's not comfortable, we've got to make them comfortable. We've got to be the one that comes alongside of them and bring them. Does anybody, like, just love large crowds? Like, you walk into a new place, and you're just, like, living it. You love it. It's like you feel comfortable. You feel natural. Three of you. Okay. I hate it. Even to this day, I think I feel comfortable because I'm here all the time, but as soon as I go somewhere else, I'm just like thrown back into 14-year-old Josh land, and I'm just <laughs> nervous and don't want to talk to anybody. And I am. Okay. Well, let's use that as an example. So somebody's timid to share their testimony. That means that somebody that's not timid or someone that used to be timid but they've gotten over that because they've practiced it, someone needs to grab that person and say, hey, we're going to go to the mall. We're going to go door to door. We're going to go to somebody and just listen to me. I'll do it this time, and I'll do it next time. Or I'll do the, next, the first three times, and then you're going to come in and do a little bit on the back end. That's how we did it when we went on our first Honduran missions trips. Here we are in a third world country. I don't speak any, any Spanish and, uh, and here we are at a, at a door of a little hut, and we knock, and I listen to Alan Blanchard, and I listen to uh, Stephen Nita New, and I listen to a couple other guys that I was with, about three or four houses, and they said, hey, Josh, you got the next one. 
I was like, okay, I can do this. And I was really timid. I was really nervous. I was very weak in that area, but they showed me how to do it. They just kind of held my hand through it. And it wasn't like I just took it from start to finish. I think the very first one, I just said, hi, we're from America. We brought you gifts. It won't feed you forever, but it'll feed you for a week. My friend has something to say. <laughs> and, that's, and then the next time, it was a little bit more and a little bit more. But, uh, but it was just helping the timid. So again, if somebody's timid in our church, you see them for like the, the sixth time and they're still just by themselves, that's your job. That's my job. That's not Pastor Todd's job. Now, as an individual, it's his job, but it's not his job. It's the church's job because if we can get them connected, if we can get them feeling more comfortable, having someone to sit with, then it's like, who knows, they might stick around long enough for the Lord to continue to work in their lives. Does that make sense? So that's all of our job. I love it when I see some of you guys and, and just in the church in general, like on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights in the halls. Like I can tell there's some people that have their routine of what this is what I do. This is, it's all kind of about them. And then there's some people, it's just all about everybody else. And they just are making people feel comfortable. You know, we're, oh, you need to know where the five-year-olds meet? Well, I'll walk you to where the five-year-olds meet. I'm not going to say it's around the corner. Take a left. You'll see the water fountain. Take another right. No, I'll take you all the way there. And then I'll meet you at the end and walk you to your car. I mean, people do that. And it's, it's awesome. And it makes people feel so much better. So again, when they're, when they're idle, that's our job, to get them, get them involved. When they're timid, we can do things to make them comfortable. When they're weak, anybody weak? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, we're there, to, and that's a pretty self-explanatory one. We have a problem. We have people that they, people help us through that because not everybody struggles with the same thing that we struggle with. So going through that verse again, it says, And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone, Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to serve everyone else. None of this stuff, I don't know if you've noticed, but none of this stuff comes natural. This is all counterintuitive. This is all, like, this is when you're happy that you live in a Christian, I won't say it's a Christian country, but I'll say it, there, there are Christian values here. Instead of you know, some tribe somewhere or like a, in a different, in some other religion, because the Christians in general, because of the teachings of Christ, we value the help, the people that need help. We value the weak. But not everybody's like that. Like if you live in more of a Darwinian kind of style, it's survival of the fittest. If you're weak, well, it's best that you just die so that you won't, you know, mess up the gene pool for the next generation. It's like, that's not how we live. Because the scripture's full of, of scripture that's just talking about how we look after the widows, we look after the poor, we 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 go and visit the prisoner, we go and uh, and help the children. You know, it's like it's you know my little brother has Down syndrome. Whenever he was born, the doctor came out to us and came out to my dad. I was like I was 15. Came out to my dad and said, "Okay, Mr. Mr. Geary. Now because both my parents had recently been laid off, we didn't have any money for any pre-visits to the hospital or the doctors or anything like that. It was just like showing up on game day and we're going to have a baby. I mean, I was like, that's just kind of how it was. And so we show up and we had no idea, but he has Downs. So there's some complications in the beginning stages of the, of the delivery. And the doctor comes out and talks to my dad and says, okay, we've got an issue. He most likely has Downs. And he's waiting for well, maybe we should abort. That's what he's waiting for. And my dad said, and? And he said, well, do you want us to proceed with this birth? And, he, and my dad, just like one of those, my dad's a very 
like he's a lover, not a fighter. I mean, he's, he's very peaceful, very calm. He said, Doc, you worry about delivering them, I'll worry about raising them. And the doctor slaps, claps his hand and goes back in because he lives in a world where he's used to people that, oh, that baby's got problems, and eh, let's just abort. Let's just, yeah. But we don't live in a society like that. Like, we, we don't follow a God like that. Our God looks after the weak. I'm glad. <laughs> because I may not be weak in body, but I am super weak otherwise. And, and he looks after the helpless. And, uh, and, and it's just wonderful. So that's where we, that's the, the society, or that's, that's, that's the blessing that we have, just that we're, we're Christian and not Darwinian or, or whatever else. So, so anyway, so make sure, make sure that, uh, that we're taking care of all these, all these needs. Okay, so be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We're just marching through the scriptures. I got no notes. We're just talking. God's will. Does anybody want God's will for their life? Yeah. How many times do we sit around saying, man, what's your will, God? What's your will? Do you know there's actual scriptures that say this is God's will? Like Romans 12, 2 is another one. It says, this is God's will for your life. <laughs> is anybody curious what it says? Does anybody know 12, 2 by heart? It's a pretty famous one. Well, let's just turn to it. Yes, and this is God's will. Let's, let's read it, uh, and, I'll, and I'll even, does anybody have it? I'll bring the microphone over to you. If you're, if you're timid, this is a chance for you to step out. 12-2, yeah, Miss Arlene just said it, but we'll do it again. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Good. So you'll learn God's will for you. Like, you know the will of God for your life because the scripture's like that. And that's not the only one. This one here says, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There's, just, there's several scriptures like that. Like, you'll, you know the will of God. Now, only if you read your scripture. But those things are like staring at you. So what is the will of God? It says... Uh, amongst other things, this whole list is all God's, God's will for us to do, but it says um, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for your life. And that came up on Sunday morning a little bit. Give thanks, Des has always said give thanks in all circumstances, not give thanks for all circumstances. Do you see the difference? I had a lady on Sunday morning came up, and uh, she's not here. If she was, I wouldn't share it. But she lost her daughter, like 20-year-old daughter, um, just heartbreaking story, so hard. She's been just healing over the last 18, 20 months, but she lost her daughter, and she told me yesterday that, Josh, you were the first person that's ever told me that I don't have to rejoice for my daughter's death. Well, yeah, rejoice in the circumstance. She said, you're the first person that told me that I'm supposed to rejoice in the circumstance, but not for the circumstance. That makes so much better sense to me. She is a strong believer, and she's been probably taught very well over the years, but that, that lesson was never taught her. And how many times have you been in a situation, and you've been told, you know, something tragic happens to you, and, it's, and, and I understand sometimes bad things happen, and you know what? Those things aren't necessarily the will of God. Like, sometimes you get, you're abused. Sometimes there is evil that happens, because just as we have a choice to do good, people have a choice to do evil. Right? I mean, that's, that's the beauty of free will. But there's also 
there's ramifications. And, uh, and so something really bad happens. A child is abused or someone passes away prematurely. And then somebody, inevitably, a believer, will come up and say, well, must be God's will. Like, no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, if it was abuse, if it was evil, then why are we saying that it's God's will? I mean, does that make, does that make sense, right? So in the moment, even through the abuse, even through the evil, I can, I can rejoice and realize that, yes, there's a storm raging, and that storm, I'm right in the middle of it, and this is not where I want to be, and yet it's also right in the middle of God's hands, and I'm not, I, yeah, that is where I want to be, and so I can rejoice in this. But I'm not rejoicing for that guy who got in his car drunk or beat up my sister or, or raped my friend. Or something. Why would I rejoice God for that? That's just, that's just craziness. And, but it's just, it's just poor, poor teaching, and we kind of, we, we, people have held on to that. So it says, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will. So in other words, just keep giving thanks. Keep rejoicing. That, that's God's will. Is, and, and when you're doing that, you're, you're staying close to him. That's God's will for you. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Now that one could be taught on for a while. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. Does anybody like fried chicken? Yeah. If we had like a potluck fried chicken dinner right now, do you realize that every one of us would have bones on the plate at the end? I mean, is, do we have anybody in here that just likes to eat all the marrow and suck the marrow out and like eat all the bones? I mean, that doesn't happen too often. <laughs> we got one. <laughs> And that's what, the, that's what the scripture's saying. It's like, test everything. Even like what Josh is saying right now, there's a good chance because he's kind of talking off out of his heart, and there's a good chance that because his heart's corrupt anyway, because our, our, you know, not, I'm, I'm a believer and everything, but it's like our heart can, can fool us and trick us. Just test everything. Make sure that you, you eat the meat and spit the bones. Uh, hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. Uh, and, then, and then the scripture goes and, and just keeps going. So I guess... Um, I might talk about Jonah after all. It's only 725. No, we won't. So reading through this scripture, I'm just, really, I'm just really thinking that I'm so thankful for our elders, but man, I really feel like there's probably more that we ought to do. And if it's God's purpose that this is the way that the church should be run, I wonder what the benefits are for doing it. Like I wonder if that's where the joy, some of the joy comes from because now you're actually on the front lines helping someone that's weak or getting someone involved, and you can sit back and say, yeah, if it wasn't for what God did through me, that person probably wouldn't be doing that, or wouldn't even be here anymore because they got bored, or they, were, they just kind of looked over. or something. I wonder, we look at it like that would be such a blessing for everybody else, but I wonder if maybe some of the things that, that are kind of discontent, like makes us kind of like, man, I just, it's just, I'm just not fulfilled. I, I wonder if it's because are we really doing what we're supposed to be doing as a church? And I wonder if then, it just, if, then, if then it spills over and now Pastor Todd has to lead differently and set up plans and structures to cover for the weaknesses that we're not doing or the things that we're not doing, and that pulls him away from what he's supposed to be doing. And now he's in the office working on spreadsheets and trying to get ushers and greeters over all these places and how to take care of that person that's being overlooked and so, instead of being able to really focus on the things that he's gifted. I just wonder what the ripple effect would be if a church actually, like, did this 
And I know people do it. I mean, people in this room do it. And the, pa- the fact is, people in this room are probably more likely to do it than the people that didn't happen to show up on a Wednesday night for another service, right? This is like the cream of the crop that I'm speaking to, okay? But, but even so, there's, I mean, I'm challenged by the scripture. Like I was saying earlier, this is like machine gun. He just hits you with all these things. Well, that one just kind of penetrated me. I was like, man, I need to, I, I could probably improve in that, in that area. Anyway, I believe in, in Bethesda. But bigger than that, I believe in God. And I believe that he's bringing us people all the time. I see these papers come across and the, uh, these visitor forms and these emails are sent out. and We contact these people. But it's like, it's crazy how many new people are coming into our church every week. And I don't know where they're going. Uh, it's like, I mean, if we get seven new people every week, you'd think, I mean, if we're not losing that many, we should be, we should be holding on to some of those people. But I just wonder if, it's, if, if we could do a better job of going out and saying, hey, that, that person looks idle. That person looks like they're not, not involved yet. I can do that. I know Josh is the Get Connected video guy, but maybe I could do that. Yes, you can do that. That's totally in you to do that. <clears throat> and then... Uh, and in the week, and I just, I, just, I just wonder what our church would look like if we would grasp onto some of those things. I'm not going to talk about Jonah, but what we were going to talk briefly about, what kind of pulled me off of this, was Jonah's another example of an individual. Jonah's another example of, like, we look in the scriptures and we see David, and he does all these great things. We see Jonah, and we see Jesus, and we see um, Moses, and it seems like it's, it's just set up for these great leaders. I don't know about you, but I don't feel like a great leader. at all. Like, I just don't ever feel that way. And some of it is I need to overcome some inadequacies and that kind of stuff, and I think that's happened over the years more and more. But some of it's just like, I just wonder if maybe, maybe the stories are told, you know, and it's very individual a lot of times, but maybe there's a lot of people around them doing some, some stuff too, you know, working with them, but we just tell the story about the great president, but we forget about all the, the people that, that help. But anyway, this, this Jonah story, again, was another individual. And because Thess- Thessalonians 1 was in my heart, this, this idea about let's respect the elders, but let's not go hire another elder. Let's do what we're supposed to do as a people, as a church. I just, I was thinking, man, if I, if I tell another story about an individual, we might just miss, maybe that's, maybe that's the message for tonight. So let me finish this way. Uh, in Jonah... I want to just tell you briefly the purpose for the book, and then maybe you'll do your, your devotionals out of Jonah this week. <clears throat> so in, uh, in Jonah, there are, I think I found there was probably three, there's probably more, but three purposes for this book. One of them was to show Israel and the whole world how enormous God's grace is, because you guys realize that Nineveh was a part of the Assyrian Empire, and they were like the, the worst of the worst. They were just terrible. I mean, like, they would, they would be right up there with, like, Hitler and his regime, just the, just the atrocities and the craziness that they allowed. And, you know, they'd go into places and they would just do really evil stuff, just pile up, pile up heads, and it was fear. They were the first terrorists, really, in world history. <clears throat> so anyway, but it was to show Israel's and the world the enormous uh, grace of God because God said, okay, Jonah, go there and preach the gospel. And Jonah, like if you look later, you find out that Jonah doesn't want to go, not because he's scared. He doesn't want to go because he's scared God will forgive them. That's why, that's why he didn't want to go. It really says that as you're reading. And Jonah's like four chapters, so you can have it done tonight. But he's, he's scared because he says, I know how gracious you are and how forgiving you are, and that's why I didn't want to go. 
because these people don't deserve forgiveness. So one of, the, one of the purposes of the whole book is just to remind Israel and the whole world that God's grace is way, way bigger than ours typically. Second thing it reminds us of is to show how far Israel had fallen because Jonah was one of the prophets and he's like the cream of the crop and he doesn't even want to go extend grace to the people. It was like this whole view of this is where you guys are. I'm going to the most godliest of people and you're not willing to go do what I'm asking you to do. That's another, that's another thing. And then the last thing was um, Nineveh, of all places, repents. And Israel had, had prophet after prophet after prophet come through, and they had ignored them. And God was just saying, look, guys, even Nineveh, even Nineveh repented, and you guys still haven't. That's another purpose of the book. And so, because... So let's, let's pray, and then what do you do if you get out early? <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Any, anybody feeling, feeling timid or weak about preaching? Because I've got a whole bunch of notes here on Jonah. <laughs> if you want to, we could just like let you sit up here and start reading them. <laughs> well, let's do it this way. Who would be willing... Uh, this night, like when we leave here, this night, when we walk out of here, to help someone, like be, look, look with eyes wide open for people that are timid, people that are maybe weak in a certain area, maybe uh, people that are, that are not connected. Would anybody be willing to like leave this room and instead of like their eyes being on themselves or what they've got to do next, actually leave here thinking, okay, I'm going to look for somebody that I can help bless or that I can connect or that I can have a conversation with. Would anybody be willing to do that? Because if you are, are, I want you to stand up. We're going to leave this place like it's going to, they're going to not even know what happened whenever we hit the, we're going to be the friendliest group.